Well, good morning, Faith Community Church. Uh, welcome to Teaching Time with Pastor Danny. Um, I told my students last week that, uh, last not last week, last month, I'm like, guys, we don't get to do Teaching Time with Pastor Danny because I'm going to be preaching next week. And they were like, oh, I'm like, it'll be just as exciting, if not more. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to be here with you all and share the word that God's just been really laying on my heart uh, over the last few uh, months um, but before we jump into that, I want to share a story about uh, last Saturday. So um, actually a little bit before that. So we had our elder meeting um, probably two weeks ago, more or less. And uh, during that time, Pastor David had shared, he said, uh, I'm going to run a 5K this Saturday. And in my mind, I'm like, good for him. That's great. And so, you know, and they started to drive home. And then I thought, well, I used to be a runner. And uh, you know, I haven't ran in, you know, our good Lord knows how long, but I haven't ran a race in 13 years, but I could do it. If Pastor David can do it, then I can do it. And so, I, so you know, I signed up for the tractor trot here in Linden, and, uh, and, and so, you know, we got there, and, you know, I put the bib on me. I felt super official, and, uh, and we did it. And so here, you know, here's just a, a picture of the three of us. I roped Shane into doing it, too. I saw quite a few of you guys there as well. And so, you know, there we are at the, at the start of the line. It looks very official, you can see. Um, and then, you know, they say three, two, one, and then go, and then look at all those serious faces. <laughs> just... And if, if, you, if you look really closely, right there is, you know, uh, the guy that would go on to take 30th place in the entire race. That's about as f far ahead as I got within the whole race to the whole group. So, uh, you know, running a, running a race is, um, is challenging. How many of you have ever ran, uh, like, in elementary school, had to run the mile? Or how about a 5K? Has anyone ever ran a half a marathon? Has anyone ever ran a marathon? Good for you guys. I want to do that one of these days. <laughs> Baby steps, though. I was not feeling too good the day after. Um, so the hardest part about the race is not even necessarily just signing up. It's not about putting the bib on. That's the easy part. The easy part is getting in the shot because you're at the very front and then you, you know, fall back behind. So that's, that's the easy part is starting. But when you run a race, when you run a foot race, the hardest part, of course, there's physical training that's involved. So you have to be prepared for what you're getting into. But more than that as well, I think the hardest part is for those of you who raise your hand, you've ran the mile or you've ran some kind of race before, is when you're going through and then your head is just like, oh, I need to stop. I need a break. You're like 200 meters into this thing and you're like, oh my goodness, there's like three more miles left, and um, the hardest part of running a race is knowing that you have to finish and being able to ward off those thoughts of like, I'm going to slow down if you're pacing yourself or time, or I want to take just a quick break. I mean, after all, I've got, you know, six or seven more miles to run, and so what's a little break here and there? So I think the hardest aspect of that is having that mental endurance to just to say no and to keep pressing forward. And that, I think, is true with a lot of different things in life. So that transitions us into the title of today's sermon, which is the battle for the mind. So go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, will be parked there most of the morning here today. Um, but today's sermon is, uh, the topic of today's sermon is not so much based on pop psychology about, hey church, you need to have a little attitude adjustment. Um, it's not based on, you know, a catchy title from a book or anything like that. But rather the title of today's sermon is based in this, that there is a battle for our mind. Uh, 
for the way that we think of ourselves, for the way that we think of others, and for the way uh, that culture and society is teaching us what is right and what is wrong. As Christians, we are engaged in warfare. Now look at this verse, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So Paul is writing his second letter to the church in Corinth here. And he says, uh, you know, we are at war. And so we are engaged in warfare. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Danny, that doesn't sound very pleasant. That doesn't sound very peaceful. Um, Not so fun. You know, I I would much rather prefer Christianity that's kind of like a, a, a... you know, a vacation to Hawaii or something like that. Or, um, you know, how about uh, coming to church and hearing a sermon? It's kind of like I equate it to like a lazy pool sermon. Um, where Have you guys ever been in a lazy pool? It's pretty nice. So you just get in, you get on your tube, and you're just like, you know, once saved, always saved. And, and, you know, and that's, that's it. I don't need to do anything. And so that's, that's kind of it. Um, you know, that does sound nice some days. I'm not going to lie. Some days it's just, you know, on my weakest days, I'm like, I just, I just you know, need a pat on the back. But, um, but it's easy to coast along without a care in the world. Um, but Scripture is very clear. Paul tells us here, we are engaged in warfare. We're engaged in a war. And although we are engaged in a war, we are not alone. God is with us, as we're going to see. And so the whole point behind the battle for the mind message today is this. Number one is that there is a spiritual war that's going on. Number two is that we need to take captive these thoughts that we have. And number three, we need to go and do likewise. So before we jump into this, let's go ahead and just take a moment to pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for just the opportunity that you give us to be in your house, Lord, gathered as your people to sing praise and worship to you. And now for the opportunity that we get to open our Bibles and just enjoy, um, Lord, just a taste and see that you are good. So, Lord, as uh, your word says, Lord, I just pray that the words, Lord, of my mouth and the meditation of my heart may be acceptable in your sight, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are engaged in warfare, we see here in verse 3. Now, uh, you know, let's be real, friends. When you wake up, sometimes, you don't necessarily think, you know, I need to get ready because the day is going to throw all these things at me, and so I need to, um, you know, prepare myself for war. Sometimes we wake up and we, you know, let's see, what's on my email this week, uh, today, or we wake up and we, you know, turn on the channel to see, you know, what's the latest bad news that's going on, or we turn on to see all our social medias, you know, who's commented or liked my post or this and that. Um, Or, you know, maybe we wake up and we hit snooze for one, two, or three plus times, um, and you say, you know, I'll get ready, I'll prepare my mind a little later. I'll get ready for the battle of the mind a little bit later, a little bit tonight, I'll do my devotions, or I'll, I'll make sure to pray to God a little bit later, you kind of push it off. Sometimes we wake up and we don't necessarily feel like putting on the belt of truth or putting on the breastplate of righteousness or putting on the shoes of peace that we get from the gospel which will prepare us for the day. How about picking up that heavy shield of faith? Or what about putting on the helmet of salvation and and what about the sword of the spirit? Maybe we'll just leave it there for today. Um, But this is the thing, my friends. 2 Corinthians 
tells us very clearly, Paul tells us here that we are engaged in war. That there is a battle that is raging for our minds, a battle raging for our attention. Even now, some of you, and I, I say, you know, I, how do you say it in English? I tell Paul so that Peter can understand, okay? Some of you are struggling right now to even focus because of maybe your device or maybe you're thinking, what am I going to eat for lunch after or maybe plans later? Uh, there are so many things that are biting for our time even now. There is a battle for the mind on how we view ourselves. Some of you have a very faulty view of who you are, and you forget that you are made in the image of God. Some of you are battling with having a faulty view of others. And I think all of us are battling with how the culture is teaching and preaching things that are just not true. Because truth matters. Now, now, what does Jesus say to this? In John chapter 8, verse 31, this is what Jesus says. He said, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, what church? Free. Shall make you free. Because truth matters. And the battle of our minds is not waged, it's not a war that's waged physically. It can't be fought physically. There's not an enemy. It's really easy to target this group or, or that group or they're the reason that everything is bad or I'm the way that I am. No, this is a spiritual battle. And it's something that can only be fought through uh, knowing God's word, through prayer, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the first point, um, that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Now, when I say spiritual warfare, some of you might be uneasy with that. You think, well, you know, that's something I, I can't see that. There's not a tangible thing like this is the enemy right here um, attack. Uh, so some of you might be a little bit uneasy with that. But let me remind you what uh, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says this. He says, my friends, he says, be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Why would we need to be sober? Why would we need to be on watch? Why would we need to be vigilant? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So Paul tells us that we are engaged in war. Peter tells us that we have an adversary, and he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. There's a quote by Martin Luther um, that I, I like. He says um, that where, where God builds a church... The devil builds a chapel. We have a beautiful chapel out there. And I think that's very true. Uh, there is an attack that is waging for our minds, for your mind, for mine, the minds of your children, the grandchildren, our culture, the way that, this, uh, that our people as a nation, where we will go. There is a battle raging for truth. And what does God say about this? I tell you these things not so that you can be afraid. When, when I was a child, um, I used to be afraid of the dark. I used to be scared about all these things at night. And so what I would do after I prayed, I'd take my handy-dandy Bible, and I would tuck it right under my pillow, thinking that this was like some kind of hedge of protection. And, uh, and so that would, be, that would be my protection for the night. But, um, you know, I tell you these things not so that you should be afraid, that you should be afraid of the devil or anything like that, um, but rather to make you aware, to church, to wake up, be reminded, to be aware, to be on guard. Why? Because there is a battle that is raging for our what? Our mind. So, 
this is another verse that I enjoy when I think of um, when I think of these things. It says, "You are of God, little children. You have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. So we do not need to be afraid." But moving on in the passage. Uh, Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons are for the weapons of our warfare are mighty, excuse me, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now I'm going to pause right there. What this verse is telling us is first of all, is that even though we are engaged in this war, that we are not alone. Now, isn't that a comfort to you to know that although you're engaged in this battle, you are not alone, you're not doing this by yourself, but that God is with you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Although we are engaged in a spiritual war, a war that is daunting at times, a war for the mind, a battle for the mind. Um, God has given us mighty weapons to overcome strongholds. If I told you you have to go to battle and I gave you a slingshot, how would you feel? Unless you're David, you probably wouldn't feel too good. I certainly wouldn't. Um, And so God is telling us he gives us mighty weapons to overcome. And there are a lot of strongholds that we have in our own minds, things that we think about ourselves that are not true, things that we think of others that are not true. And there's certainly strongholds within culture um, that are taught that are not true. So as Christians, how do we interact in light of that? There's a lot of strongholds. How do we react in light of this? I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 1. It'll be on the screen, but I'd like you guys to read it from your Bibles here as well. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when you're there, if you can say amen. Amen? Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it's a kind of a, a lengthy portion here, but just follow along with me. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first the Jew and, excuse me, who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's an accurate commentary of kind of where we're at now. Verse 23. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts and dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature 
rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You read that, and, and if you were to read that as an as a, um, article in the newspaper, that's a pretty accurate description of where we are now at as a people. We have made ourselves wise, but have really become fools. We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We worship ourselves rather than the creator. Why? Because there is this battle that is raging for what is true, this battle for what is right, this battle for our mind, and we've exchanged it for a lie. Now, before we go off and say, yeah, that's right, Danny, uh, you know, everyone else is bad except for us, I, I do, you know, I always find it very sobering to remind ourselves, you know, even back in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Paul goes on to list um, these things of unrighteous behaviors that all of us fall into in one way, shape, or form. And then I love how he ends this. Paul is just such an awesome, very uh, transparent, um, like, you know, kind of get you kind of person. I love Paul. But he says this, as such for some of you. And it's like, oof. That was us at one point. But, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Amen? So that was each and every one of us at one point in time. But God. We are engaged in a spiritual war, and our enemy, again, is not physical. And so the way that we defend is not physically. It is spiritual. It's using God's weapons, the Word of God. Prayer through intercession. The power of the Holy Spirit that indwells in you. Only God's truth is strong enough to defeat some of these influences that we see in our own minds. Some of these influences that we see in culture. Now, as a side note here, I did want to, um, you know, there's some well-meaning uh, Christians who at times have said, you know, I'm going to bind Satan and they pray against uh, they pray, at, like, at Satan, I'm binding Satan in Jesus' name, or something like that. Um, as a side note, we don't have time to go there now, but if you write Jude chapter, excuse me, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude chapter 1, <laughs> verse 9, uh, talks about uh, Michael, the archangel, the strongest angel of all, and, and he himself encountering Satan. He says, the Lord rebuke you. So our, our battle is against lies and deceit of the mind and the culture, and the way we battle this is by knowing truth and teaching truth and preaching truth. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The verse that many of you are familiar with, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is what? It's living. It's alive. And we're gonna, I'm preaching in uh, three weeks, and, and we're going to touch on this verse a little more. But the word of God is living. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the joints and the division of spirit, the joints of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How many of you have ever been here on a Sunday morning and the word of God is being preached and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a magnifying glass on my heart right now. You just feel the weight of, whoa, God's word. Or how many of you have been reading through God's word and you're like, whoa, because that's what God's word does. Um, 
purifies us, it pierces our heart, transforms us, it makes us new. So um, one last thing I did want to point out is the, um, in verse 4, there's a word strongholds. Now, uh, most of you might know what a stronghold is, and certainly the church in Corinth would have known. Um, this, is, uh, this is Corinth today, and on that mountain there, there's a stronghold. And so when Paul is telling the uh, Corinthians um, that for the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, this is immediately the image that they would have been given. This is uh, the stronghold in Corinth. Now imagine you're given, like I said, you have to take down the stronghold and the weapon I give you is a slingshot. You're like, what? There's no way. Um, but God's weapons are not, um, are not slingshot-like or esque They are mighty, in fact. And so... Um, this is the image that would have been presented to the church in Corinth. So first point, number one, is that we are engaged in a spiritual war. It's very real, it's very active, it's very present, and so we need to be sober, we need to be vigilant. And then number two is that we need to bring our thoughts to submission of Christ. Um, continuing on in verse 5, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So there's a lot to digest there, and I want to focus um, just on the first part of verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, Paul was dealing with uh, false teaching, which is no surprise if you've read any of the epistles. Um, he was dealing with um, false doctrine, people who were against him. And, uh, you know, there's, there's an old saying that is still, I think, very true. The pen is mightier than the sword. There's, uh, there's truth behind that. Of course, if you bring a pen to a gunfight, you're going to lose. But um, with that one person. But if you have a, a beautifully written letter, and, and we know words can influence, and they move the minds of the masses, whether it is right or whether it is wrong... But this is what Paul is dealing with. And over the centuries, people have filled a pulpit just like this and have preached things that are contrary to what the word of God says. Still do so today. And they're on the number one best-selling list. It's very sad. Um, there's a lot of false teachers, a lot of pastors who um, would shy away from preaching certain passages or be afraid to talk about we're sinners and we need... Christ, we need a Savior. Um, here at Faith Community Church, we will always preach, uh, be biblically centered and preach God's word. Um, but over the centuries, we've seen many false teachers, and that's what Paul was dealing with um, at this point. Now, if you think back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God created us in his image, we were given many of his communicable attributes. Some time ago, we went through the attributes of God, and one of them is we have the mind of God. We have this mind that God has given us, which is able to reason. We're able to think. We're able to create things. Some of you are really artistic. Some of you um, have just not, you know, I'm not a gardener. I couldn't make anything grow. I talk about if, you know, the supermarket ever went away, I would just, I would just shrivel up and, and, and die. I, I'd find one of you who knows how to garden, because I can't, I can barely make a, a, a bean sprout it just doesn't happen so but God has gifted some of you with 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 a mind to be able to do those things um, God has given us an emotion God has given us his will he's given us his mind and yet our thoughts when they're not submitted to Christ have the tendency to go way the other way 
In fact, Paul had mentioned this in his first letter in 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Whoa. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Now that word there, that Greek word, is meteos. And, and the, the meaning of this Greek word, the futile, is this. It's to be devoid of any significance. That the wisdom of the world is devoid of any significance. It's devoid of any point or any benefit. It's idle. You turn on the car and you want to go and it's just like, you're just there. It's idle, empty, fruitless, useless, powerless, I don't think I need to go on. Futile. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are all of those things that I had just described. That's what happens when we have our minds that God has given us, and we do not submit our thoughts to Christ. But I want to look at the second part of this verse, and I don't want you to miss this because this is huge. Casting down every argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing... How many thoughts? How many thoughts? Every thought into captivity and obedience to Christ. Now, this is huge. I don't want you to miss this. Our thoughts are powerful. They influence what we do, how we view life. They can either harm or they can help us. And my question to you is who are you allowing to control your mind? Because there is a battle for the mind that is going on. So who are you allowing to control your mind? Is it in submission to Christ? Every thought? Or is it submission to your own personal will, which we might think we're wise, and some of you are very intelligent. But what does God say that it is? It's futile, which is that big list of words, right, that I had described it as. My friends, sin begins in the mind. Now, before I go any further, I do want to mention it is not a sin to be tempted, lest you think that, you know, maybe I can submit my entire mind to Christ and, and then I'll never have a bad thought. Um, we see in the life of Jesus himself who was tempted, um, and yet he never sinned as well. But it's what we do with those thoughts that matter. Sin begins in the mind. When we sin against others, it begins in the mind. When we sin against ourselves, it begins in the mind. When we sin against God, it begins in the mind. Temptation starts up here and leads us to action. How will we react? Um, I'm going through the Old Testament, and I've ran into, um, I ran into Joseph again, and it was just a sobering reminder of a story, a, a very good comparison of two men. There's two men in Scripture that were both presented the same opportunity. Two men, men of God, who reacted very differently. We have one, we have Joseph here who was, presented an opportunity and tempted with Potiphar's wife. He reacted one way. And we have David, a man after God's own heart, presented with temptation, reacted another way. The thought, the mind, was not in submission to, to God in one instance and in one was. Temptation 
will lead to action. It starts in the mind. And it will either, if our thoughts are in submission to Christ, it will either enable us to flee as Joseph did. He didn't sit there and have a dialogue with Potiphar's wife. Well, you see here. No, he, he left. Or to be as David did and, and murder a friend and all the repercussions that happened with that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, And you, 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 all of us, and you, he made alive. We praise God for that. Who were dead in our trespasses and sin. Like that's black and white. That's night and day. You're either dead or you're alive. But you were dead, but God made you alive. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. Our very nature made us children of wrath to God. The way that we were going was by our very nature. Submission of our minds, not to the things of God. And you might be saying, well, Daniel, I was just dead. I was blind. I didn't know what I was doing. We'll hold the phone there. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 reminds us that, in fact, we weren't just blind to the things of God. We weren't just dead. In fact, we are described as being enemies of God. Enemies of God. We were submitted to sin, slaves to sin, but God. If I were to get a tattoo one day, it would be those two words, but God. Some of you are like, oh, he was going to get a tattoo. I know, we're not going to get into that right now. Okay, it's not the sermon. Pastor Sean can preach on that. So, um, But God, okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Uh, but God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And we praise God for that. We praise God for that, but God. We have been renewed, not only in, in, our, in our spirit, we've been made right with God, but we've been renewed and transformed in our what? In our minds. Look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a good verse to keep to memory. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Again, the same cycle again, the same thoughts again and again and again. But be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Our thoughts must be submitted to Christ. We must be renewed in our mind uh, you know, as I was going through this um, sermon, the song that came to my head was, uh, you know, the song that says, uh, what a friend I have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry, what? Everything to God in prayer. Every single thought captivated and submitted to Christ. First point is we're in a spiritual war. Second point is that we need to submit every single thought that we have to Christ. And point number three, because like a good Baptist, any sermon has to have three points. Um, go and do likewise. Uh, I couldn't think of a third point, so, but I took this one from 
uh, my favorite uh, parable. And Jesus is saying, he tells the story of the great Samaritan, uh, see, the good Samaritan. And, uh, and then he says, this is, what you, this is who your neighbor is. So then what does he tell us? Now that you know, go. Go and do likewise. God has called us to capture every disobedient thought and submit it to Christ. I want you to think just for one second. Maybe this morning, getting your kids out of the house, you had a thought that you did not submit to Christ. Everyone's like, I don't want to look at him because that was me. I'll look at myself because that was me, you know? And, 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 uh, and so just I thought, I thought this through. I'm like, I have to submit my thoughts to Christ. Um, maybe you have had a thought this week that you didn't submit to Christ um, that was in rebellion to the Lord. Sin begins in the mind. Think of this. What if every time you were angry and you were going to sin in anger, you took that thought and you submitted it to Christ? What would be the outcome? How about every time that you lusted after someone? You took that thought, submitted it to Christ. How about negativity? This is one that could be, there could be an entire sermon on negativity. We live in a time when it's really easy to be negative. Took that negative thought, submitted it to Christ. How about jealousy? You take those jealous thoughts, submit them to Christ. Jealousy's cousin, envy. Submitted to Christ. How about greed? Submitted to Christ. What about despair? Some of you live in a place of perpetual despair. And man, I get that. You take that, submit it to Christ. Anxiety. Take that, submit it to Christ. Hopelessness. I work with youth. I see a lot of hopelessness. You take that and submit it to Christ. Every single thought captured and submitted to Christ. How would it affect the way that you live as Christians? Thoughts are powerful. What you think of yourself is powerful because it transforms who you are. What we think of others is powerful. What the culture teaches is powerful. And certainly there are a lot of strongholds that we hold in our own minds. There's a lot of strongholds in the culture that need to be torn down. And we have the weapons to do this. God has given them to you and to me. They're the word of God. Through prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. Thoughts can help or harm. They give us hope and peace or fear. Now, there's an old saying that says, you are what you eat. And um, certainly, I think that's true. You are what you think um, so often. So this is my challenge to you guys. My go and do likewise. Um, write this verse down. Remember it. I should have put it in your notes, but I didn't. Uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Let this be your prayer this whole week. As you submit every single thought to Christ, God, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Man, if that's your prayer this week, some of you really struggle with the words of your mouth being acceptable to the Lord. Some of you really struggle with the meditations of your heart being acceptable to the Lord. So that's my challenge to you. The challenge, this is a... Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll close off with this. There's a Bible I have here. Um, this is a, the, uh, I was given this Bible 
on my first day here. And on it, uh, is Al here, Al Cusat? He's somewhere here, I think so. Hey, there he is. I'm going to call you out, so. Uh, there, was a, there was a case, uh, an, I, an iPad case, sitting right there, and I'm like, who was kind enough to gift me an iPad? And so I opened it up, and it was an even better gift. It was the Bible, okay? Um, so in it was written, was written this. It says, presented to Pastor Danny Martinez, read it, know it, live it, and then preach it. And I thought, what a profound statement. I'm like, and so I asked Al, I said, Al, who did you get this statement from? Where did you learn this from? And I was expecting, he's like, well, I learned it from my father, who learned it from his father, who learned it from Billy Graham, who learned it from the Apostle Paul. Because um, it was very profound to me. I'm like, wow, that's really good. Read it, know it, live it, preach it. And, uh, and then he says, well, no, I just, uh, I thought, well, what do you do with the Bible? Well, you read it. And, and, and then what do you do with that? Well, then you know it. And then what do you do? Well, you got to live it. And once you've lived it, what do you do? You preach it. And so, you know, not as profound as I was expecting, but still very, a, a very true statement. And so, so that's my challenge to you this week. And that's, this has been something that God has been working on my heart for some time now. Uh, the, the thoughts captivated, submitted to Christ. Why? So we can tear down these strongholds. And so this is my prayer for each and every one of us this morning, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart might be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray with you guys, and then I'm going to call the worship team up. Lord Jesus, this is just our collective prayer here as Faith Community Church. God, I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart might be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. And God, we just pray that you would um, continue to enable us, Lord, to submit every single thought captive to your will. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.